0: Sorry I didn't record an episode last week, but it's nice to be back with you today. And I know we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and kind of going through that part of Scripture, but with Valentine's Day, just a couple days away, I've been thinking a lot about love and the concept of love and the way that it works. And as I've been thinking about it, God brought a passage of Scripture to my mind And I'd like to read through it with you today and and talk a little bit about it. It's John chapter 13, and it's the first 17 verses of that chapter. But this takes place just before Jesus is taken away to be crucified. And it's really the last few moments that he has with his disciples that he's been doing ministry with for the last three years. And it's in this passage that we get a clear picture of the kind of love that Jesus had for his disciples. So beginning at verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, "'You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand.'" "'No,' said Peter, "'you shall never wash my feet.'" Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I think this is an incredible passage showing the character and love of Jesus in the midst of his disciples. Because when you understand who Jesus was, that he was not just some good teacher, but he was God in human form. So you have God in human form in a room with a bunch of mortals, just a bunch of people, and yet because of the great love that Jesus has for these people, for his disciples, he does this almost unthinkable thing where he gets down and washes his disciples feet now not only is this not a pleasant job right it's dirty it's stinky but also this is a role of a servant somebody else should be doing this surely not somebody like jesus who is this great teacher and lord god in human form This shouldn't be his role. This should be the role of somebody else, somebody lesser. And yet, that's not the perspective that Jesus had. Jesus was willing to take that lesser role to wash his disciples' feet. And even just the act of doing that, feet are down by the ground. This would have required Jesus to kneel down on the ground to wash his disciples' feet. Even if they are reclining at a table in a home, Jesus still would have had to kneel down to wash his disciples' feet. So not only is the task itself not a pleasant task to do, but the act that is required to do that, that act of kneeling that is necessary to perform this washing of feet is such a almost demeaning position. And yet, Jesus, despite being who he was, was willing to do that because he loved them. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is such a powerful act of love. And it requires a great amount of humility on the part of Jesus. And as I've been thinking about this and and the amount of humility that Jesus had in order to love his disciples in this way, in this moment, as I've been thinking about that, I've really realized that all acts of love require a certain amount of humility. Because if you're going to love someone, not just with your words, right, not just say you love somebody, but if you are to perform acts of love for someone else, not only are you putting that person's need, needs and desires before your own needs and desires, which is already an act of humility, right, you're saying, I am not the important one here, I'm not going to put my needs and desires first, I'm going to put your needs and desires first, which is already an act of humility because you're setting yourself aside. But even beyond that, really all acts of love are in some way serving someone else. Because you're not just serving yourself, you're serving someone else through that act of love. And so the amount of humility that is required To not only put other people before yourself, but to also, in a sense, have to lower yourself in position to serve someone else. It has to require a certain degree of humility, a certain degree of setting yourself aside and setting your own pride aside and saying, this isn't about me, this isn't about me looking good, this isn't about me getting what I want, this isn't about me at all, and I'm willing to do something that is, quote-unquote, beneath me, of serving someone else. It requires humility, and that humility then allows us to make that social sacrifice of serving others, because it really is a sacrifice that is made in the sense of social standing. Because if you think about different social standings in the world, different social positions, right, it's not the people who are in those positions of power and authority that are the ones doing the serving. It's the ones that are in those low positions that are doing the serving. That's why in the workplace, you don't have the CEO. That is running and getting some coffee for an intern. That's not how that works. It's the other way around. The intern is the one getting the coffee for the CEO because that CEO is in a higher social standing in that workplace than the intern is. And the CEO is not required to go and get his own coffee. He can have somebody do that for him. He can snap his fingers. He can make a phone call and send that intern to go and serve him. Which would make it so much more powerful of a statement to have someone in a high position like that to perform an act of service like getting some coffee for someone in a low position like an intern. If a CEO went and got coffee... For an intern, that would turn a lot of heads because that is not what normally takes place. That's not the way this, this social standing works. And there must clearly be some kind of love involved there for a CEO to do that, right? Because he is higher up on the ladder, so he is not the one who is supposed to be serving. It's the one that is lower on that ladder. That is supposed to be serving that's the way the world works so anytime that we perform acts of love acts of service for other people of serving others we are taking a lower position than them at that moment now that doesn't mean that we are belittling ourselves Just because we are willing to step into that role doesn't change who we are, right? If a CEO went and got coffee for an intern, that person doesn't all of a sudden stop being the CEO anymore. They don't suddenly become an intern. Their title, their role remains the same, but the role that they step into is one of a lower social standing. For another example, I love playing video games. And you can level up in video games, right? As you progress through the story, you level up, you get more experience, you get better items and equipment so that you can become stronger and go into higher level areas. And there's not really a lot of incentive for a high level character to go into a low level area, but it's also not an inconvenience for them to do so. It's not a challenge for a high-level character to go into a low-level area. But you know what is an incredibly difficult challenge? For a low-level character to go into a high-level area. And so if you have a high-level character that is going into a low-level area for the purpose of helping out other low-level people, to help them through the parts that they are struggling with, That doesn't make that high-level character suddenly become a low-level character. It doesn't change who they are, but they are stepping into a place that they would not normally be, and they are lowering themselves to a lower place for the purpose of serving those who are there. And so it's important for us to understand this and practice this This example that Jesus sets forward who was the highest level character. He was the greatest that there ever has and ever will be. And yet he lowered himself to serve others. And that wasn't him belittling himself. It's not him saying that he's worthless, that this is all he's good for. But recognizing that he wanted to serve his disciples because of the love that he had for them. So he was willing to humble himself to show them that love. And again, this is an example for us to follow of serving others. That love being shown requires that humility. It requires that social sacrifice that's not belittling ourselves, But it's deciding to step into that, you know, quote unquote lower role, which is really just placing other people before ourselves and serving them and showing them love. It doesn't change who we are, but it changes what we do. And if we can expand on that a little bit as well, about who Jesus was. Was. I love in verse 3 where it talks about Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. See, Jesus had a lot to offer as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the only person to ever live without sin. And the power and authority that was given to him from the Father was absolutely incredible. And just think of the kinds of things that Jesus could have offered to his disciples from that position of power. And yet, despite all that he had to offer, what he chose to do was to give of himself to the disciples. He wasn't granting them power and authority. He wasn't granting them all of these different kinds of blessings. What he did to show them love was that he got down on his knees and he washed their feet. He put himself into that low role, and he gave to them of himself rather than giving from his position, rather than giving from his power, what he gave was from himself. And this has caused me to realize something that sounds very similar, but is very different. That love is found through what is given, not through what is offered. Because Jesus had plenty to offer, But the act of love that he performed didn't come from the things he had to offer. It came from the giving of himself. And that's where love is found. Not in what we can offer, but what do we give? Because offering something usually doesn't require any actual action on our part, does it? We say, hey, if you ever need me, I'm there, and... You know, you can always reach out to me. And we can make those kinds of offers. But what have we actually done? What have we actually given? Or we can offer things out of what we've achieved. Look, I've got this money. Let me offer you some of the money that I've achieved. Or let me offer you some of these possessions that I have. But that doesn't come through you. You're just taking what you have achieved, what you've collected, and passing it on to someone else. What does that have to do with you and the other person? You're not giving anything of yourself. You're simply offering to others what you've accumulated. Let me put this into a clear example. When my wife and I were dating, and when we were engaged getting ready to be married. We had next to nothing of which to offer to one another. Right? We didn't have any money. We didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't have jobs. We certainly didn't have any experience in being married to bring to the table. We had very little to offer, and yet we were always giving to each other. We were giving our time, giving our energy. Every day, we spent an average of 10 hours together in college while we were dating. That is a lot of time to give, especially when there's homework and projects to be be done, papers to write. To give that amount of time to each other speaks way more than anything that could have been offered. I could have offered her... If I was in different circumstances, I could have offered her a nice home, a place to live, a nice car, good financial security. But if all I was doing was offering these things to her, but not really giving her any of myself, I would not have been a good lover. I would not have been showing her good love. And when she would sit with me and listen to me, she wouldn't cut me off. She wouldn't laugh at me for speaking my heart. But she asked me questions, and she listened as I spoke. She gave me her attention. That meant so much more to me than anything else that she could have offered to me. And when we understand that difference between offering things to people and actually giving of ourselves to others, it's so clear which one is truly an act of love. Because to give of yourself to someone else, to give of your time and energy and attention, to open up your heart to them, Is such an incredible act of love. But to offer things to someone, offer your possessions, offer your expertise on things that you've been trained in, things that you are learned about, and offer that to them. Really, that's not opening up yourself to them at all. There's no connection of the hearts that takes place there. In fact it's pretty much just a professional exchange. And an offer when you really think about it, an offer is little more than a bribe. This is what I'm bringing to the table and if you accept this then you shall give me your love. I offer you this in exchange for your love. That's really just a bribe. That doesn't have to do with loving someone. It has basically nothing to do with the person themselves. And people recognize that. They feel it in their hearts when you are giving to them everything except for you. It doesn't matter if you offer the whole world to someone unless you give of yourself to them and you actually do that. You actually perform the action of giving something to that person of yourself, not just what you've accumulated or not just from your position, not just from your power or your knowledge, but you give them who you are you open up yourself to them, unless you're doing that, you're not truly loving them. During my teenage years, I had a particular habit of always sitting by myself, partly because, in case you're not aware of this, teenagers tend to be loud, and especially when they're in groups of other teenagers, they tend to be even louder. Not sure if you're aware of that, but it's true. And I do not like loud places. And so whenever, you know, I was at camp eating in the cafeteria or anything along those lines, I always sat by myself. And it wasn't because I didn't want any company. It was just because I didn't want to be in the midst of all that loudness. And there were so many times... So many different occurrences where somebody would come over to my table and I would get really excited at first of, oh, somebody's going to come and sit with me and, and get to know me and I can and share with them who I am and I can get to know them. And I'd be excited about it. Here's somebody coming up to me as I'm sitting here at my table all by myself. And almost every time that excitement quickly turned into disappointment as the person would invite me to come over to sit with them at their table with all their friends. And I would always feel so devastated by that because I knew if I go over there, I'm just going to be drowned out. Everybody else is just going to be talking to each other because they know each other. And I'm just going to be there in the midst of that loudness, completely drowned out. And what I really wanted, what I really, really wanted was for someone to say, hey, can I sit here with you? This is who I am. Tell me about yourself. That's what I wanted. I didn't want an offer being made to come and and join us where we are. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want to join people where they were where they were sitting, I wanted them to come to where I was and to see me and to notice me. Now, that's not exactly the healthiest way, right, to try to build relationships, and I've definitely done a lot of growing up since then. But I think there are countless people in the world today that are in that place, where they're saying, I don't want to be invited to... Where you are. I don't want to be given this offer for my love to be given to you. Well, here, this is what we can bring to the table. This is what we can give you. So come from where you are, come to where we are, so that you will be loved. But that's not really what love looks like. And sir, sure, the person inviting them over probably feels good about themselves that they're doing something nice and, and then all of their friends can see them doing something nice and, you know, that boy or girl that they like is seeing them do this and they're such a nice person, but, but what does that have to do with the person sitting there by themselves? Very little. And sure, an offer was made but nothing was really given. And that's not what love looks like. See, love is something that can only be given. It's not something that can be bought or taken or really something that can be earned. Love can only be given and received. And it's only received once it's given. And so our focus when it comes to loving others and loving God should not be about offering things but giving of ourselves. You think about your relationship with God. How do you approach your relationship with God? First of all, is it with humility? Is it saying, I'm willing to lower myself? And again, I'm using that in quotes because it's really not a lowering of yourself, but it's a willing to step into a serving role for someone else. And are we willing to do that with God? Is there a willingness in our heart to say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it because I want to serve you. And when we come before God, is it just to offer all that we are? And all the skills that we have? And all the possessions that we have? Because what God really wants is our heart. First and foremost, He wants a relationship with us. And again, we could offer God All that we have, which is very little from his perspective. And still not give him anything of ourselves. And if we truly love God, we won't just offer things to him. But instead, we will give him our heart. And of course, this also applies to our relationship with each other. And especially if you're in a relationship with someone, a romantic relationship, where you're married, all the much more so with them. Do you practice love in this way? Is it about what you're comfortable with? Or is it about humbling yourself and serving them? Because I think, especially with spouses, we can fall into this trap of thinking that, okay, we're serving everyone else, but our spouse is someone... that who is there to serve us. And even if we don't say that, which of course we're probably not going to say that, but do we act that way? Where we're serving everyone, but they are there for us. That is a quick way to create problems in a relationship. Because your attitude still needs to be, if I love this person... I will continue to serve them every day. And to not just make offers to them, right? You're not just saying, well, look, I've put a roof over your head. I've given you a place to live. And, you know, I make meals for you and I clean the house for you. I, I make the house nice for you. These are the things that I have offered for you. But what of yourself are you giving to them? Because unless you're giving yourself, then love is not present. Love requires humility, and it's found through what is given, not through what is offered. Jesus humbled himself and gave of himself in love. And he says that that is the example that we should do as he has done for his disciples. And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you, and you can reach me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, like it, share it, rate it, to help get that message out there. But until next time, Thank you for taking the time to listen. I pray that God blesses you as you go throughout your day, and have a happy Valentine's Day.